This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. These two guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyke. And welcome welcome back after a little, little life hiatus there. After yeah, a couple thank, weeks. Thanks, thanks for everyone for... I had a lot of people being like, "Are you? Is the show done? Did you? It got canceled. <laughs> yeah, it, canceled it was a great already? off season. Uh, we got to react to the Gobert trade, and then it just got canceled before. <laughs> we worked so game. hard in August to produce content just so that when the season started, we could just ghost everybody. <laughs> but we're always going to have the uh, the leadership power rankings episode to, yeah. <laughs> to lean back on. I know, and right, and I already feel like I would like to redo those. Uh, we might have to hit those quarterly to see oh, who gets I'm promoted down. and uh, oh. demoted from the leadership standpoint. But yeah, no. Good to see you. Uh, I think I speak. I mean, you've talked about this before, but I speak for everyone at Score North and everyone that listens to this. That they uh, there's a lot of support for you. Uh, so thoughts and prayers again to everything you had to go through last week. Um, I always like to say too, like a lot of people that don't know me yet at Score North or like that tune into this. Uh, I do cancer research day to day, so I don't know still what I bring to the Timberwolves world. But um, if you're out there and you're you're going through stuff, or you're, you are a loved one, you know someone going through stuff, um, hit me up on Twitter or send me uh, an email. I have a lot of resources for like patient advocacy, different clinical trials and stuff. But yeah, cancer is the absolute worst. Uh, Again, big hug to you virtually. Thanks brother. uh, From down here in Portland. But I'm glad to see you back because we have, so I'm gonna do my notes app is just filled. I have so many things to talk to you about. So, and you've been to like, you've been to games, you've been traveling all over the place here. Um, Yeah. yeah. yeah, I, I just one thing on, obviously I, I, and we've, well, life comes first. Yep. I do feel bad that the season is three games in, and this is our first in-season episode of Flagrant Howls. We will be giving you guys uh, two episodes a week for the majority of the season going yep. forward. Uh, I just had to put some things on pause while I uh, dealt with some of my dad's affairs and different things. So I appreciate the, the outpouring of support from just the audience. I think the one thing that you sometimes don't, realize as you're doing this for a living for me now for over 15 years just like talking into a microphone and and a lot of times you're just doing it in a studio that's empty but like the people that you've never met before that feel like you're part of their life Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to take that for granted I mean that is Mm -hmm. the type of vibe that we try to create on our shows Mackie and Judd Purple Daily Flagrant Howls that like hey we're just kind of the ringleaders here but this is a community of people and we all just have one weird thing in common. We just want the Timberwolves to win 50 games or what, like what, whatever it is. And and to hear from, I was going to say hundreds, it was literally thousands of people I've yeah. never met before reaching out saying, hey, man, like I know we've never met before or here's this experience that I went through. And so I just want to thank anyone and everyone that reached out and offered their support from people that I've been friends with to people I've never met before. I, I feel the support and it, and it means a lot and it's very helpful. And I've done this. This is, I think, my seventh year covering the team. Uh, it's seven years of part time. I say this. I used to write this all the time. I use this as a distraction from life, right? 
So when you hit me up last Sunday with the terrible news, and then a couple days later, I flew to Chicago for a con- or cancer research conference, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, it's like the, the highs, and I, you want to go to your distraction, your safe space, kind of like this, but then you can't. And it's just, again, it was, it was a crazy week for both of us, you way more than me, but it was really cool, again, um, to see people reach out to you. And like you said, thousands of people. And also, we only developed this a couple months ago, just as a kind of crazy fun idea. And I had people been like, I can't, I can't comfortably enjoy my coffee without flagrant house. So <laughs> that meant the world to me. Um, so we're back. We'll catch up. And then moving forward, like I said, we're going to go twice a week. Schedule will be a little flexible here and there because of life. But uh, I can't wait. I have takes for days. Yes. In fact, let's, uh, let's debut a new segment here yes. called Your Favorite and Least Favorite Things About the Timberwolves Right Now. So these okay. could obviously change in two days or in two months. but As of now. <laughs> As of right now, three games into the season, let's start with the good, uh, and let's just go back and forth until we, until we, you know, the well runs dry here. I'll throw it to you first here. Your favorite things about the Minnesota Timberwolves? Give me, give me one of them. The poetry of the first three games of the season, and uh, em- you know, hashtag embrace the grind. I've, em- I've really enjoyed these first three games because if you go back and look at them, they've been really poetic in terms of like. We spent three, four months just, we can't wait to see Rudy Gobert play. And he debuts on Wednesday against the Thunder at home, and he has like 30 and 20, and he's phenomenal, and it was great, and they won. Then the second game, they get Ant a little more involved, Cat a little more involved, and they look terrible. (laughs) And they lose Mm -hmm. to the team that they got Gobert from. And Gobert looks terrible. I think he went four for 10, which was like one of his 12 least efficient games of his career, Mm. I think. And then after some adversity to go back on the road, and again, we had the Rudy game. You know, the, the Friday game was kind of the cat game. And then we have the ant game where he just says, you know what? All the other starters stay on the bench. Give me four guys off the bench. I'm going to go do this myself. And it was really cool. And it was the Jimmy Butler practice. It pretty much. Jimmy yeah, Butler practice. Pretty much. I just, I think, <laughs> you know, we, we, everyone acknowledged from the highest of fans to the lowest of fans that this was going to be clunky and take 20 games on stuff. But you kind of forget that when you're in the heat of the moment. You're just like, I just want to win. I want to win. But it's like you're seeing this. I thought they played better on Sunday against the Thunder than they did on Wednesday against the Thunder. You're starting to see these growing pains kind of, okay, we fixed that. We still have to do this, 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 but we fixed that. And I just think that's cool because at the end of the year, you're going to remember kind of like that growth and that development if you're a complete sicko like me. I'm going to stay on the Gobert track for one, one of my favorite things about the Timberwolves right now. I love that he, on offense, we can talk about the defense. I love that he's just this massive set of hands that acts as a second backboard. So you've yeah, got I like the, you actual, that. Yeah. the actual backboard, mm-hmm. and then you're driving down the lane. You can just kind of throw a lob to, like, the other backboard. Oh, and there's mm-hmm. just two gigantic hands there to take the ball and throw it in or grab it and do what he wants with it. Uh, it's... And it's and obviously some of these guys, especially Carl Anthony Towns, trying to figure out the timing of the lobs. And okay, yep. I'm driving. Do I go up for my own shot or do I lob one to Rudy? And there's been a couple that have just sailed out of bounds. All of yeah. this is to be expected because these guys have to feel. I think you said whatever twenty games. You know, the the 2003-2004 Timberwolves took. I think they were 500 through their first 18 games. They were like nine and nine or nine and eight through their first almost 20 games. And that was a team of an MVP established player, Kevin Garnett, or a soon-to-be MVP. Should have been the year before. Rant for another day. 
Uh, and then you're bringing in like Sam Cassell, veteran championship cred with the Rockets back in the day. And then Latrell Sprewell had played for 10 years, NBA Finals, whatever. Like it took, it took those guys, veterans, who actually fit pretty well together because it was guys at different levels of, of, the, of the court. It took them two months to figure it out. So um, the good for Gobert and his fit to me overrides the bad. And I'm still going to give Chris Finch credit that he can iron out some of the bad. And there has been some bad. And there has been some bad. And I, I just go back to right before the season started, everyone signed the paper that said, hey, this could take a while. But then the game tipped off, and I feel like some of us broke the rules. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, um, no. Wide open I, shots. <laughs> and I think, so again, obviously tonight they play the Spurs on Monday, uh, and the schedule for the rest of the month is like Spurs, Spurs, Lakers. It, it's really easy. Bring on the uh, Lakers, please, as soon as possible I, before I they trade Russell to, Westbrook. <laughs> Friday night is going to be must-watch TV. Please don't see. trade Russell Westbrook until Saturday. Please yes. don't trade Russell Westbrook until Saturday. And please make sure Patrick Beverly is playing because he's going to be a delight. But I, I, I do, you know, th- there is some similarities, and I want to throw it back to you before I say another one. Is like there is some Vikings to this where if they're five and one at the end of the week by beating the Spurs and the Spurs and the Lakers, you're going to be able to poke holes and say, yeah, but you didn't play anyone. All that matters to me in October and November and even really all the way up until Christmas, are you getting better? And I think on game three, they played better basketball than they did in game one. Yes, it was nice that they won. But if they were one and two today and not two and one, I still would feel pretty good because I thought they fixed some things on Monday or on Sunday than they didn't have on Wednesday. But you're right. They still have a lot of holes. <laughs> and I don't know how quickly they're going to be able to fix it. We got to talk to D'Lo after the game Friday, and he talked about, like, there are some things we can do on Sunday to fix. There are some things that won't get fixed until spring just because it's going to take a while to, you know, figure out the lobs. I mean, Carl had a really nice lob to Rudy on Sunday against the Thunder in, like, a four or five pick and roll that he couldn't throw to him on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So you're starting to see those little things get better. Um, But another thing for me that's just, like, awesome is I – was we were one of the first people that was like, this is the deepest Timberwolves team of all time. Are they going to be as successful as the 0304 team with KG? I don't know. But they're the deepest team. They've showed that every game. It like peaked on Sunday night when it was just Ant and these four bench guys. They have so many guys they can bring off the bench at the guard position, defend. Nas Reed just was catching DNPs, and all of a sudden he's like the man of the match last night against mm-hmm. the Thunder. So the depth is real. They were missing Kyle Anderson. Austin Rivers didn't play, and they still were able to go 9-10 deep and just pummel a team that their second and third stringers are like G-leaguers. The Wolves' second and third stringers would start for the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, oh, my gosh. The Lakers' roster game is just hilarious <laughs> to play right now. Like, I love Russell Westbrook's logic, too. Was it last night or two nights ago, whenever it was? And uh, he, he, he was looking for a two-for-one. They, they were leading the game oh. over Portland with, I think, 18 seconds on the shot clock, 30 seconds left, and he just pulls up. Of course, he's always wide open because he can't shoot. Um, so anyways, I agree did, on the— Did you, just, like, Zapruder film that to listen to the crowd's reaction when he pulled yeah. up for that shot? It was like, no. like you saw an elderly woman crossing traffic without the white light on. It's like, no! And it's just the fans— are so over that already. I mean, that is a dumpster fire that, again, Friday is going... If you can make it to that game on Friday, that's going to be awesome to watch this Wolves team play that, whatever the Lakers are trying to put on the court. You know, sometimes there's a few Timberwolves players that have 
Malik Beasley was one of these until he got traded too. Just have a, a, a slight lack of basketball self awareness, where they just don't always yep. know when it's time to stop shooting or when someone else's turn. Yep. You can't come close to the lack of basketball self awareness the current version of Russell Westbrook has. It's really sad too, right? Because it's just there's still like good skill in there and good athleticism, but just the inability at this age in your career to to change. I always think of like an Andre Iguodala, mm-hmm. like he was people. Not no, not I would say casual fans maybe forget that he was the guy in Philly. He was one of the guys on the Olympic team. He was a guy that we were trying to get traded to Minnesota to pair with Kevin Love as like a big two. He was a leading scorer for Philly. He was the franchise. And then he went to Golden State and was like, I'm just a role guy and I'm going to do everything, all the dirty stuff to win a bunch of rings. So it sucks that Westbrook can't do that because they need a guy to fill a lot of holes, but instead he just wants to try to bank shots from 25 feet up. Yes. Um, the next thing that I am, I guess, among my favorite Timberwolves things right now, I love, I'll use the word basketball self-awareness phrase again for Anthony Edwards. <laughs> I love his shot selection so far. Oh, So 39% preach. of his shots are threes. 41% of his shots are point blank layups or dunks. And then another 10% are between like in the lane so inside 10 feet he's taking virtually no shots between 10 and 16 feet and he's taking seven percent mid-range extended like 16 feet to three pointers but i if i recall i can think of like the three or four shots he's taken they're just like pump fake off the three-point line wide open i think he took one heat check mid-range with a hand in his face last night and it went down it was a fadeaway Yep, it was one. It was just kind of like about, I don't know yeah. if I love that shot, but you know he's good enough to to knock it down. So he came in here, and by the way, how does that compare to last year? Uh, so he had twenty eight. This is three games in, small sample size alert, but twenty eight percent of his shots came from point blank range last year. It's up to forty one percent in the first three games. So I love the way that in the last two games specifically, and he attacked in the first game too. He just missed a lot of layups, but he is attacking getting what he wants at the rim, and and getting to the free throw line a little bit too. I, I love this version of Ant that we're seeing so far. And it needs to be embraced, and you need to pause and rewind and listen to Phil say that those stats again because when he was jacking 12, 13 three-point attempts, you were just saying, like, just go to the rim, go to the rim, as if that was something that's easy, by the way, right? Like, just get a raise, get a raise. It's like, yeah. I can't. So he's actually <laughs> going to the rim. I would imagine those numbers you said, like the, the increase in – being point blank range he's also probably finishing at a higher rate i think that comes into just being i mean he we comp the d wade stuff or the donovan mitchell stuff i mean there's like some very light zion to his game where he's just like no i'm just gonna go to the basket Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter like i'm gonna go left right left and just put my head down and i'm gonna get to the rim and his finishing has been incredible and i think some of that is just more girth the ability to absorb more contact um but yeah i think he so he's had back-to-back 30-point games. We're three games in the season. I think he had four games of 30 or more points his rookie season, and that was like 72 games, and he already has two 30-point games in his junior season. So he's never had three straight 30-point games, so we'll see what happens tonight against San Antonio. But he's just finding a way. I mean, he only took like 19 shots. Last night. He's finding a way to just be efficient, get to the rim, mix in that he's going to sprinkle in a mid-range shot, like you said. Sometimes it just gets into, I'm so hot right now. I can shoot from anywhere, mm-hmm. but his shot selection has been everything you'd want from him. I mean, he has been awesome. 
He's also the first game he did this a lot, even though he had a terrible shooting performance and he mm-hmm. couldn't yeah. make a layup at the rim. He was like four four for seventeen, I I think. Uh, but he but he was he understood even if I'm having a bad shooting night, I'm drawing defenders in, and he did a great job. He wound up with like seven or eight assists in that game. He was using the threat of himself to get other guys wide open looks yep, or to get the hockey assist where he'd find a guy on the wing and then it kicks to the corner and boom, a wide open shot goes up. So the ability to, okay, now that I'm a threat and now that I'm sucking the defense in here, sometimes I'm just going to Euro step my way through three guys and get the layup or get fouled. But I can also, I'm talented enough to jump up over a defender, kick it to the corner. Boom. Now it's, now it's spin cycle time. So this is why I was so upset actually when they lost that game to Utah and Anthony Edwards just kind of stood in the corner for the five minutes of overtime. He like didn't, I get yeah. that he was, he was maybe a little overzealous late in regulation. And I, and I get like D'Lo running pick and roll is, is going to be the filet mignon of this offense. But I hate the fact that he, he is just such a force and can get whatever he wants on the court and he can carry your offense. I don't think he should be standing in the corner for five minutes of overtime. So I guess that was to go to the least favorite things about the Timberwolves. Like I didn't, I didn't like that in the second game. No, and I think that's great. I think that point then kind of spins back into things that we did like and that the overtime way they finished. I mean, again, Dana and I talked about this. Carl was really good in that overtime period, probably the best five minutes he's played all season. But then you also had, like, Carl was a 90 out of 100, but then you had Ant was a zero. So then the next game, they get to OKC. Ant's like, I can't do that again. I need to be aggressive. And he's playing. We talked about this in the preseason, but he's playing faster and more aggressively while also playing slower. <laughs> like that Euro step that he does now in the lane is like going from 100 to 10 miles an hour in a stop of a dime. Mm-hmm. And he can it just throws the defender so off of their game. And then he uses that extra strength to just kind of muscle his way to the rim. It's, I think he's been the number one player. I mean, I know Rudy has had like 50-some rebounds in three games. He's been great. Ant's first three games have probably been the most impressive. And then the last thing I had is like something I really like. It's been buried because... He's a frisky player, and some people like him and some people don't. D'Angelo Russell's been awesome. I think these first three games, he's figuring out that pick and roll. He does look like his Brooklyn self. He just seems so comfortable with Rudy. He's taken more shots in the, in the paint. Um, sometimes it's those mid-range shots that you didn't love him in his first or second year here, but he looks so comfortable. He looks so comfortable spotting up from three. Just kind of like you said, the filet mignon of this offense probably is going to be him running pick and roll. And... The, the thing I love about D'Lo that doesn't get enough credit is he loves his teammates. And last night when that bench brigade was icing the game and allowing the starters to stay on the bench, the only guy that wasn't on the bench was D'Lo. You go back and watch, he was always up cheering on his guys, running mm-hmm. on the court. He was like helping with defensive alignments on inbounds he's great, and stuff. And he, that's been one of my, my little points I've stood on that island is he's a fantastic teammate. He might not always say the things that you want to hear publicly or he might ruffle some feathers, but he is beloved in that locker room and... I think that's why those guys like Jordan McLaughlin have so much confidence or Nas Reed are able to stay ready after not playing is that D'Lo is in their corner, and it's a big deal. Is there something else you didn't like other um, than just the end result of the Jazz game? There, there's a couple things. Real quick, you, br- you bring up Jordan McLaughlin. I don't have the box score from last night directly in front of me, but I'm pretty sure – actually, here it is. I'm pretty sure he was a plus 23 without scoring. Let me, fold, let me find this here. Oh, that would be a, that would be a he, statistic. He was, he was a plus 23 – he was 0 for 2 from the field. He dished four assists, grabbed three rebounds, no points. But that's kind of him. There's a little bit of Tyus Jones in there. 
Yep. Where, oh, he's okay. He was out there for, you know, 20 minutes. Didn't really do anything in the box score. But the team was awesome when he was out there. <laughs> he, he always was. The Tyus angle was always going to be that he was local and losing a local kid. And Tyus is just, I think, the best backup point guard in the league. Um, but he's getting paid like that, right? Jordan McLaughlin's not making much money. But Jordan McLaughlin was always generic brand Tyus Jones. He doesn't have to score. He's not the fastest. He can't defend everyone. But there also was validity to just trying Jordan McLaughlin is one of the smallest players in the league but he just he tries he hustles he dives for loose balls he always contests shots even if it's he's late on a rotation or something so that goes back to my depth point it also goes back to the I mean Chris Finch is going to be the most sleep deprived human being come April because I still have no idea how he's going to make all these rotations work because they have probably one of the least flexible starting lineups in the league. You have to start those five guys, yeah. at least four of them. But then how do you find enough minutes for a Jordan McLaughlin, who, as you said, like led the team in plus minus without scoring? That's a big deal. Yeah, it's it, man, there's a lot to unpack with just the different lineup combos. I mean, Anthony Edwards even came out a couple nights ago. I think it was Jace Frederick, our friend uh, who covers the Timberwolves for the Pioneer Press. Yep. And he and he was asked about like the small lineup, and this was after the Jazz game. After the Jazz game, yeah. Okay. In the locker room, and he said, "It's better for me. The small lineups are better for me because I like the space. I like to get one on one in isolation, etc. And I like the you know to be able to maneuver in the paint. And then the follow up question was, okay, how do you reconcile the fact that you like playing with a small lineup with the fact that oh I don't know you've got the two biggest dudes ever in your starting lineup." And he smiled and said, I'll figure it out. Yep. I'll figure it out. Is there room for, okay, Anthony Edwards maybe likes and plays better with smaller lineups, and also they're going to have to play Towns and Gobert together for X amount of minutes per night. How do you sort of reconcile both of those things? I, If you're listening to this, it's starting to all kind of make sense as Phil and I talk about it because you said 10 minutes ago, D'Lo pick and roll might be the filet mignon of this offense. Well, previous seasons, D'Lo was the starter and the bench unit kind of situation, right? It was D'Lo and four bench guys. That's how D'Lo was most comfortable. Maybe you just invert that. Maybe now it's Ant playing with those second-tier guys, and he kind of can go be his offensive force then. And then when he slides back into the starting lineup, still be aggressive, right? But let D'Lo kind of run the show, and then that's when Ant's focused a little more on just shutting down the best player out there, right? Or mm-hmm. playing more defense. So you start to kind of figure out, like, okay, maybe last year it was D'Lo on the bench. This year it's Ant in the bench. And then D'Lo sticks primarily with Rudy's minutes, and Ant plays a lot of minutes with Nas Reed or maybe Kyle Anderson at the five. The Ant and Nas pairing just goes really well together, so I would like to see that keep going. But I think you just start to move those guys' minutes around. And, yeah, like you said, you're probably still going to close with the same guys that you started the game with, but can you get more of an impact in the middle of those kind of like endpoints to to f- kind of fester the the strengths of we clearly know now Ant has to play with bench guys. Like I want to see it tonight. How many minutes will Finch go though? Because to circle back, you didn't trade, you know, half a billion dollars and forty two picks to <laughs> to build around Nas Reed. Yes. I but I think where you're going with this makes sense, which is all right. Maybe he can't. Maybe Anthony Edwards can't be the focal point always when the starting lineups on the court. Mm-hmm. But can you find him 
15 to 20 minutes away from those guys, or maybe it's just him. Maybe go, maybe go bear is resting or, or cat is resting and it opens things up a little bit more. Um, I like where you're going with that. You, you, you can't not tinker with more small ball ant mm-hmm, lineups mm-hmm. after what you saw last night. And I get that. Like when, when Oklahoma city is already a mediocre team, even with all of their healthy players, like the fact that Shea Gilgis Alexander was out, like it was, it was a preseason game last night. Yeah, um, exactly. But I don't think we can dismiss what we saw. One last thing on. Oh, go ahead. I got one more least favorite thing, and then we go. Last year, uh, a thing Finchie became comfortable with was just starting a lineup and then pulling D'Lo first, and then letting the you know Pat Bev and Ant kind of trickle down and run the offense a little more. Insert Jordan McLaughlin or something, and then bring D'Lo in with bench guys. Maybe that's what this is now. We always kind of thought maybe Carl would be the first sub out, or maybe Rudy to kind of stagger their minutes. We haven't talked about it yet, but the most confident player in the North America right now, sports, is Jalen Noel. Maybe you just pull Ant the first sub, put Jalen in, let him run next to D'Lo, and then when you start to put in more bench guys, put Ant back in there and let him run the show with the second unit. Yeah. Um, on my, my last thing, at least for now, on least favorite things about the Timberwolves right now, I'm still seeing a little bit of the Carl Anthony Towns petulant offensive foul complaining to official stuff. And that's the type of stuff that drives me insane about his game, that he is this wild, one of the most wildly physically talented players in modern NBA history. He's a seven-footer that shoots threes like Steph Curry percentage-wise. And he can dribble drive from the top of the key to the rim. He can block shots. He can grab rebounds, all these things. And yet sometimes his emotional intelligence is that of a 14-year-old. And yep. I, I wish that he wouldn't self-sabotage his game and his teammates as often as he has throughout his career. Um, I don't think he's, like, sabotaged anything so far, but we've already seen, like, an unnecessary leg kick offensive foul. We've seen a couple unnecessary extensions of your arm on drives. We've seen the flailing at officials and things. And so I guess I'm trying – maybe you can be my Carl Anthony Towns therapist here. I'm trying to figure out what is ex- – like, what's going to change? What, what, what are some things that he can actually change? And what are some things that they're just going to have to live with and I'm just going to have to live with and hopefully it gets covered up by Rudy Gobert's calming, stoic presence and Anthony Edwards emerging and Jaden McDaniels and all these things getting better around him allow him to be him still, but just it's not going to be as much of a presence of negativity because all these other things are going. Um, so he's still driving me a little nuts with his immaturity, I guess, is my my thought here. It reminds me of our talk about historical Timberwolf seasons and scar tissue. Like, if you followed Carl as long as you have, seven, eight years in his Timberwolves tenure, you just have scar tissue to some of the on-court antics and maybe lack of success. And I think you those can all just be historical things that happened. You should have been mad about them. But for this season, I do kind of give him more of a pass because I also think he's never mad online. Right? He's not Kevin Durant. He doesn't, like, hop on Twitter and say things. But that doesn't mean that he's maybe not really frustrated. And that health thing that he had was frustrating because he's now trying to play basketball. I said this before, and I stand by it. He was, I still think he's their best player at this current moment, and he has to make the biggest adjustment to this Rudy Gobert experiment. So if you're trying to – you have to take more on than anyone else to adjust your game, and you don't even physically have the tool belt to do it because you don't weigh as much as you want or mm-hmm. you don't have your endurance. It's not, a, it's not an apology because – I'll give him a couple extra weeks. And if it hasn't been, you know, rounded into shape by Thanksgiving, then let's talk about it. 
because he's had some really bad moments. He's His lowest moments in the first three games have probably been lower than anyone's. But last night against Oklahoma City, like I think it was like 12-8-5, efficient, didn't have a leg kick. I was a bit, like didn't first game of the season without yeah. a leg kick. Um, didn't you know he had that really really crisp. He caught the ball in the post and just kind of threw it behind his back to to Rudy. He also had a really he's thrown the best lob to Rudy Gobert through three games on that four or five pick and roll I was talking about. So I thought he was pretty flawless against OKC for the most part. His minutes were limited again because mm-hmm. you didn't need him. But give him a couple weeks to get his body right, and then if he can make the adjustments to make this whole thing take off then I think I was right. But if he hasn't made those adjustments in the next couple of weeks and he's still – if he has a leg kick, Phil, on November 12th, I want you to lose your mind because you should. Yeah. I think it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world as Anthony Edwards clearly emerges and Rudy Gobert, you can see even in their interactions on the bench, like Gobert is dictating to Cat and other players, hey, here's what – hey, when this happens next time, we need to do this. He's he's Rudy Gobert is – I'm not going to say demonstrative, but he's very clearly dictating mm-hmm. in yep. the huddles and on the bench, yep. like what needs to happen defensively. Uh, it it wouldn't be the worst thing if Cat just kind of slid in as like the third or fourth guy in line here in terms of pecking order. He can still get his 18 to 20 shots off or whatever, but I think he would be best served taking a back seat from a spotlight and leadership perspective. Dude, just be you, but... Just know that the pressure is it's not on the pressure is not on you to save the franchise anymore. And what I, I wouldn't say this to him. It's like because you can't handle that pressure. It's okay. <laughs> you can just kind of slot in. Like at some point, Kevin Love needed to be a number three, and then he thrived because he wasn't meant to be a number one on a franchise. Stop trying to fit out and just fit in, as LeBron would say to Kevin Love. <laughs> but I think you're right in the sense of just I don't I don't when I watch Carl, I don't think he's playing basketball. He's so in his mind. And Ant said it last night to Katie Storm after the game where he came into the first game of the season with just a weird mindset. I don't know if he was like, okay, we're, we're, we're title contenders. We have this whole big lineup. We have expectations. And he didn't play like – Anthony Edwards should always be smiling, whether it's win or loss. Like, he's a confident dude. Yeah. And then He looked very serious and stoic in the first in game. In that first yeah. game, he just didn't look like himself. And then he said last night to Katie, my old basketball coach, Tom Crean from Georgia – texted me and said, you just got to get back to just playing basketball. Just go play basketball and have fun. And that's probably my biggest gripe with Cat is just you still, in my opinion and the opinion of many, are the most talented player on this team or one of the two. Just go play basketball. (laughs) You don't, like like Phil said, you don't have to lead anymore. You don't have to carry this team with 40 and 18. You can do less with more and just go play basketball. Stop worrying about a missed call or anything. I don't. I didn't think he was that on the officials on Sunday, which is like a growing moment for him. But yeah, tonight if it doesn't go well for you against the Spurs on a play, just just get back on defense. Just you, there's less expected of you now, and embrace that. You don't have so much of a burden, like you said. You don't have to carry this franchise. Yep. Somebody because he posted a photo of his of his uniform after the first game, oh, and there yeah. was like all these like spots. It was like blood spots or something. And it was meant to show, like, hey, look how physical this game was. You know, I've got, like, blood from my opponent on. This is how much I was getting kind of banged around. That's how I interpreted the photo mm-hmm. on Instagram. And uh, I know, this is just me picking on some random guy on Twitter. But some random guy on Twitter said, you know, this is why Cat complains. Look at all of this, like, physicality. And I guess my response back is the NBA is hard for everyone. Officials make bad calls every single night ten different times probably. 
and you're going to get into a physical war with players in the paint. Like the the hardness of basketball is equal across the board. Yep. You're yep. not getting screwed any more or less than any other player. I mean, maybe sometimes you are, but it's not, the league isn't out to get you. The officials, if the officials are out to get you, it's only because they don't like you because of the way you interact with them. So you mm-hmm. can kind of manipulate it by just being a little bit more diplomatic in the way that you go about the human interaction. So there's some, sometimes, last thing on this, and then I'll shut up about it. I don't like when players, and Cat is guilty of this, act like the world is out to get them. Oh my god, yeah. how could how could this be? You know, you see it in other sports too. I just want to say, man, there there's 10% of your life in the NBA is going to be dealing with physicality, bad foul calls, adversity, the crowd getting on you. What maybe it's more than 10%. Maybe it's 30%. Part of your job is to just sort of swallow it and continue f- moving forward. And if he could ever master that part of his game, his mental game, he would be an unstoppable MVP force. And the reason he's so frustrating, Anthony Edwards these last two games has played basketball on the court like he lives his life off the court. Just having fun. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, like smiling, talking a little smack, scoring buckets. By all accounts, the people we talked to, Conley Towns, and the reason I've defended him, is a really great guy. Mm -hmm. He is not into some of the stuff that, some NBA superstars are into that would be, you know, controversial or a little sketchy. Like he's just a dude who has a girlfriend who likes his family and wants his friends to succeed. He's a little nerdy, you know? Right. And, just, and so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he is a nerd. <laughs> it's okay. I don't know why then on the court he tries to, you know, sometimes be someone he's not. You, you don't, you're not as big as Embiid. You are, you don't have to be the enforcer that Haslam is. Like, yeah. Just play like Ant plays because you are so just God-gifted talent, just go play basketball and have fun. And you're not going to get a call. Ant will be like, hey, come on, man. And he'll clap his hands, and then he'll run back. Just be who you are off the court, on the court. Think less, play more, and I th- it, it should really translate into more production. Life lessons here on flagrant. Yeah, we just pivoted. What's next? A, it's like one of those calendars you flip the page every day, and it's like, here's your goal for today. Like a, like a psychological, uh, we need, yeah, it needs to be like an inspirational quotes calendar for Timberwolves players or something. <laughs> 12 different months. Uh, all right, it's time for an episode now of Flagrant or No, where okay. we'll throw out different statements, and we have to decide oh, if these statements one. are flagrant fouls, meaning they're way wrong. They are common fouls, meaning, okay. Or not a foul at all, which is totally spot on. Okay. So I'm going to start with a quote from uh, Timberwolves assistant coach Micah Nori, who was interviewed <laughs> coming out of halftime Legend. yesterday. And uh, Micah Nori, who is a great personality, he does he has a dry sense of humor, and and he usually does the halftime interview with uh, with Bally's. And uh, he was asked about whatever, like, what do you need to do, coach? You know, some generic question. And he said, well, we've been third quarter uh, narcoleptics. We've been, or we've had these narcoleptic stretches in yep. the third quarter or however he phrased it. So uh, flagrant or no, the Timberwolves are third quarter narcoleptics. Uh, f- flagrant, flagrant one. Like this is bo- really serious. This has been something that has kind of predated the current, well, I guess current regime, but this has gone back for years to when Carl was still here, but even they, they just come out flat in the third. I don't know if it's a sense of, I mean, look at the roster. There, no one has a ring. Like there's not like a ton of success, but you have good veterans. There's this, I don't want to say the E word entitlement, 
but there is this ability or this thought is we'll, we'll just beat them. The Thunder, there's no SGA, Giddy's out, we're just we'll just beat them. And when you put those second unit guys in, they don't think that because they look across the court and they're like, oh, these are our equals. Mm-hmm. And that's why they play so damn hard. So they do, you know, maybe we won't see third quarter narcolepsy when they play, I think they play the Suns November 1st to kick off the month of November. That's a team that made the finals. That's a really good team. Maybe you won't have that narcolepsy in the third, but they that's a real thing, a real thing that they just lose this juice coming out of halftime and just blow all their hard work that they had in the first two quarters. Yeah. So for you, it wouldn't be a foul that he said that because he's no, spot right. on. Okay. He is still, spot yep, on. He is spot on. We're they're, still they're, honing this game, by the way. Yeah, yeah no, can, I'm still – no, they would. that is a true fact. They have narcolepsy. They have to address it. And Micah Nori, by the way, is going to tell you exactly how it is. He's yeah. a legend. <laughs> I think you're right, dude. This this has gone back like 12 or 15 years in Timberwolves history. Those Kevin Love, Ricky Rubio, you know, Kevin Martin teams from yes, yes. the Rick Adelman era, they would constantly have 15 or 20-point leads – you know, build this big lead in the first half, and then all of a sudden they get smacked in the mouth in the third quarter. This was a thing, the the early Carl Anthony Towns Wiggins teams from yep. five, six years ago. Uh, this is this has been, for whatever reason, baked into Timberwolves DNA, regardless of the roster, for over a decade. And it's also baked in lately to the Vikings DNA, too. We were talking about this on Purple Daily. The Vikings <laughs> average one point in the third quarter. This They've scored six one points point? in the third okay. quarter. This whole year, so I don't know what these teams are doing at halftime when it comes to adjustments. But you got to come now. Yesterday, at one point, they gave up the lead in the third quarter. So going into the game, they were like a minus twenty or a minus twenty-two, something like that, in the yep. third quarter. Mm-hmm. And so halfway through the third quarter, they were like a minus thirty-five on the season, and then they kind of came back and and they held like an eight-point lead going into the fourth. But it's and, a it is a real chronic problem. And yes. the NBA cliche, but it is a league of runs. So teams are going to make runs and build momentum, but the Wolves issue isn't just giving up runs at different times throughout the game. It's like a specific portion of that third quarter, or as we saw against the Grizzlies last year, the fourth quarter where they just stall out so hard that everything else around them starts to get in their brain and they don't just they don't just play basketball. So Mike Honore was was spot on. Can I give you one? Yes, please do. Yes. Flagrant or not. The loss on Friday to the Utah Jazz was a bad loss. Um, it's a common foul. Okay. Meaning I sort of disagree. I think the Jazz, and we were talking about this off mic, are a lot better than we and everyone else wanted. Once they made the decision, we're going to trade our two best players. I think most people, again, including us, thought, oh, that means they're tanking now, mm-hmm. which... They're not like actively trying to win a championship, but that roster is full of professional basketball players, guys who have done this for a living for the better part of a decade. Mike Conley, Lowry Markinen, Rudy Gay is on that team. Kelly Olynyk has played for good playoff caliber teams. Um, I mean, Jared Vanderbilt is, as we saw here last year, is one of the more underrated players in the league. They've got some shooters on that team. So when you when you actually watch that team play and then look at their roster. Should the Timberwolves be beating that team at home? Yes. But is that team about to win 14 games and call it a call it a season? No. Like that team's gonna that team might actually fight for the 10 seed play-in. It would it would not shock me if that was a play-in team. I, I agree. Everything you said. I I feel really dumb 
because I just whiffed on my analysis because you like <laughs> again you like to make jokes too and it's like okay they got rid of Rudy and Donovan Mitchell they're gonna suck everyone in that locker room heard that the Jazz had a ton of like that was their me- NBA Finals like that was Malik Beasley's NBA Finals yeah game, and right? it, but it like it it sounds so silly but it really was the Jazz had a bunch of media in town for that game. And that's kind of been their rallying cry. They are, they they brought over, I think his name's Will Hardy from the from the Celtics, who's like thirty three years old. They love playing for him. And his whole message throughout training camp was, "Hey, you guys are all bums. <laughs> like everyone thinks you're a bum. Like everyone thinks you guys are just washed up. We're gonna win fifteen games." And yeah. that's kind of been their rallying cry. And when you have, you know, the difference between them and like when OKC sits SGA is that OKC then is kind of talent deprived. I mean. Also, Chet Holmgren was out too, so it's not like by choice. But they just have a bunch of really young, unproven guys. The Jazz have proven guys. Their point guard has, starting point guard Mike Conley has made a ton of playoff runs. Um, Lori Markinen, like you said, Olenek, and Jared Vanderbilt might be the prize of that whole trade, not Pat Beverly. So I, I still think you would like to win it, and the Jazz still might go 20 and 62. But the Jazz are showing you, as they did against the Pelicans on Sunday, like they're a real NBA team. Uh, and I think they're they're worth checking out if you have league pass. They play hard. Yes. They they rock the worst jerseys of all mankind, but they play hard. They fight for each other. They space the floor, and they they can give you as big a lineups with Markinen and Kessler and Vando as like the Wolves can throw out there. So a really nerdy basketball team, but. It, I don't think Friday's loss was a bad loss. It was frustrating, but it wasn't a bad loss. Well, they and then la- I know that uh, Brandon Ingram went down like late first quarter or early yeah, in the first half too. but uh yeah they they went into new orleans that's a really good new orleans team even mm-hmm. with with guys banged up and they won that game in overtime so the jazz are three and zero to start the season i don't think the measuring stick here should be well like let's justify losing to <laughs> right to right, non-elite right. teams like the wolves should be graduating from like the moral victory mm-hmm. celebrations here but um, but it, at, at the end of the day, like losing a game to that Jazz team is not the atrocity that maybe that, it, it seemed like it would be a couple months ago. The Jazz team is kind of like the Wolves were last year. I think they'll overachieve because they have guys that are just going to fight every night for 82 games. Uh, and it was cool to see because they did. The Wolves got punched in the face by the physicality and the shot making of Utah, and they didn't respond. And that's kind of what I'm guessing if you really had Finch over a beer, he would say, I'd like to see how my guys respond to some adversity. And they didn't really. Uh, they did pull back and what, they were down seven with a minute 13. I mean, that's not nothing to come back from that, but to not close it out is disappointing, but not a bad loss. Just yeah. a yeah, male loss. I got one more for you here. Hit me. All right, flagrant or no, the most unheralded, underrated player for the Timberwolves through three games has been Jaden McDaniels. That's a common foul in terms of, right? I don't think that's a wrong thing to say. He has been, he's had a couple moments, especially on Sunday night early against Giddy, uh, that Giddy got back at him after Jaden really just almost wiped that guy out of the league last Wednesday. But he is, when offense breaks down or everything gets a little stagnant and like the ball is thrown to him like a grenade with four seconds left, he now has the ability to put the ball on the deck once or twice, get to the mid range, and hit kind of this fadeaway. I hate to say it because I'm gonna be, I'm just gonna get drunk off this, but he hits these weird fadeaway shots that are uncontestable, like Kevin Durant in the middle. Wow! It, it's just wow. He just wow. He, he's hitting shots and doing Kevin things. Kevin Durant. That, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get absolutely crushed for that, but he, he he's just been able to do things. And the reason I feel comfortable saying this is because who's watching that guy closer than maybe me, his girlfriend, and his parents? 
but he <laughs> just hits shots that he normally wouldn't hit. He makes little cuts that maybe he hadn't made his first couple of years. And then there was a couple sequences against Lou Dort last night where he just Dort. I mean, and Dort's a bowling ball. Dort is an excellent defender. Probably weighs three times as much as Jaden. Jaden just took his his lunch money. Uh, he he stripped him at the rim once. He caught up from behind on a chase down block. He's been awesome, and that's really important too because you will. Over time, these 20 games, whatever, you'll figure out the starting lap. You'll figure the stuff out. But you needed to know if the guy that you didn't include in that trade, the guy that you were willing to sacrifice so much more, the Wolves would not have been criticized nationally nearly as hard if they would have just put Jaden in the package and kept two more picks. Because no mm-hmm. one really knows who Jaden is outside of... But that would have been a mistake. Right, exactly, exactly. You're seeing through three games... His ability to make an impact. Delo said it, I think, Friday night after the, the Utah game. They don't call plays for him. <laughs> That's a really big deal. They don't call plays for Jaden like they do for Ant or for Carl or for Rudy. He just has to kind of, like, the youngest brother or whatever at, like, Thanksgiving. He just has to kind of find the scraps yes. to keep himself felt full. And he's been doing it tremendously so far. His defense has been great. He hasn't been in foul trouble. Uh I don't know if you saw, remember this last night. He almost tried to fight Mike Muscala. Yes, I that love, was great. I the love shoulder, the dirty the, the side of Jaden. random shoulder check. It was like great. if Jaden could have a couple technical fouls this year, I'd be so Who's happy. That? I would pay the fine, literally myself. So have we said, gotten that soft in the NBA? Speaking of flagrant <laughs> or no, what, that was a flagrant foul for that. Come on, it was yes, it was intentional, but he also a got shoulder him. check. Well, he should have hit that. Use that shoulder to hit one of his teammates. Because he got clocked on a on a screen a couple plays earlier, where if you go back and watch, it doesn't look like anyone calls it out. And he he really had his clock just rang like he was on the ground. I didn't know if he had a concussion, but he he got back at him. And again, that wasn't a smart play. That's not what Finch wanted. But I love to see yeah. just like two percent of University of Washington Jade McDaniel's where he's just like out there, kind of willing to just scrap with people. We saw it against Westbrook when he had the back and forth you know, chess passes, and now we saw it against Mike Muscala. So That's right, the back good, and forth chess passes, man. He brings <laughs> a little attitude. He currently ranks number one on the team in steals, blocks, second in free throw attempts, only yeah, has two turnovers and only seven fouls through the first three games, which for a guy that's been out there for an average of 34 minutes, and he's not like, you know, in a position to turn the ball over a lot, but I like that you can put him out there for 34 minutes a night. He's not going to turn the ball over a lot even though he's only 22 years old, um, and he's not going to be a foul machine to this point yep. in the season at least. And the, the one stat that you have to add to that list, I think he's shooting 0% from three. We talked over, all summer. Over six, yeah. All summer about like his refined shot mechanics. It's like a higher release point, like 60%. I don't know. They had it really broken down with lasers. But you, the, he does have to fix that because at some point he is going to be what we don't want Ant to do. He is going to be put in the corner. And expected to just hit those. Torian Prince did it about as well as you could last night from each corner in the second half. Stand as close to the corner as you can and just shoot threes. He's going to have to be able to hit those to be fully worth what we thought he's worth. But so far, the returns on on third-year leap, Jaden, have been about as good as you could imagine. Yes. Uh, I want you to scroll through the bottom of your notes app here. Is there anything else that you want to get into here in the final couple minutes that we that we haven't touched on? Any important things highlighted in bold on your phone? <laughs> Oh, man, my phone is just a dumpster fire of my mental thoughts at night. Uh, no, so my, my, my biggest takeaway after three games is just I wanted them after the third game to look a little crisper than they did in the first game. 
and I think they did again. It's really weird because not only is their schedule against really light, maybe less talented teams these first couple weeks, you're also getting to play the same team over and over. Like, it's weird to play the OKC twice in the first three games. It's weird to play the Spurs back-to-back this week, Monday, Wednesday. So Spurs, who, by the way, have, have won two games in a row, road games, coming into this. Yep, a less talented Jazz team where they play really hard. They're, I mean, clearly, they're coached by Greg Popovich. But they also start guys that at every position. I mean, like Tyus Jones or uh, Trey Jones will start for the Spurs tonight. That's an advantage for D'Lo. They'll start, you know, Vassell at the two or the three. That's an advantage for Ant. So they're going to be kind of more to what the Jazz were on Friday. They're going to come in with a lot of energy. They were in town before Minnesota got to town last night. So it's not going to be a cakewalk, but it also gives you an opportunity to play them tonight for them to make adjustments on Wednesday and then for you to kind of respond to those adjustments. It's It's weird. But it's kind of like these mini playoff series to start to start the season. So I just want them to play tonight a little better than they played on Sunday, and that'll be good enough for me because if they can play better tonight than they did on Sunday, they'll win the game. Yeah, yeah. They, so they beat the the NBA is so weird to start here. So you got the Jazz. The Jazz are off to this wild three and zero start. The Sixers. If I would have told you, all right, so uh, Joel Embiid is going to be classic Joel Embiid. He's going to be scoring you yep. know, 30 points a game, grabbing a bunch of rebounds. And the old James Harden's going to be back for the first few games, largely. where he, he's, So he's putting in 26, 9, and 8 on, on 46% from the field. Like, kind of the old James Harden again. And, uh, and you know, Tyrese Maxey's going to be out there, and Tobias Harris, and they're going to they're gonna have the whole game back together. And they're going to start 0-3. And, and they don't have happened. their pick next year. James Harden should forward half of his salary every night to Bryce Harper and Jalen Hurts <laughs> because the the Phillies going to the World Series, the Eagles being undefeated, that has covered up a lot of that stink. And the Sixers don't have a lot of ways to pivot because they don't have a lot of depth if you look at their bench compared again. Minnesota's bench is just so much better than a lot of the yes. other teams. So they're kind of pigeonholed into we have to figure this out organically. Whereas the Wolves have options, but again, ideally, you know, going back to Ant playing with smaller guys, you try to figure this out organically as well. But it could be worse. I mean, again, I know they could be three and zero, and we'd still, I think, Phil and I would have said the same, all the same things that what we liked and what we don't like. So that one loss doesn't bug me too much. But watch the Lakers, man. Watch, watch the Sixers. <laughs> there are some teams out there that are going to be way more dramatic and way less fun to cover. The Heat, too. You never know if the Heat keep. Keep on their slow pace. I mean, Kyle Lowry has Kyle Lowry has not has not gotten in the in the shape that James Harden did. Uh, also worth noting too, in terms of teams to watch in the Western Conference, we talked about Utah. Portland has started three and zero, and I was a little skeptical. Man, Damian Lillard's been injured a lot. He's thirty two years old. He's the old Dame largely so far in the first three games. Yeah, I and let's just let's put a couple pin in these things for a couple weeks down the road. Bobby Marks had a really good tweet about some of these teams we thought would tank that are starting off really hot the Sixers did it a couple years ago where they're like 3-0 4-0 and then they finished like 16 and 66 well the Wizards last year too weren't they right. like 12 so, and 3 or something yeah. the Blazers team being out here I'm still a little skeptical that that's real and that that's sustainable uh, I mean I know Dames had like back-to-back 40-point games but they don't have as much talent again as this Wolves team or a lot of other teams in the West so it's going to be it's going to be a process for everyone it's been kind of clunky around the league but Getting early season wins is nice because those it's going to get more difficult come November and December. Yes. 
Uh, a shout out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, by the way, on board for Flagrant Howls this season. They've been huge supporters of us at Score North, Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd, and uh, now Flagrant Howls. And they've been supporting business owners across the state of Minnesota and all around the country for over 100 years. They're based in Owatonna, Minnesota. Uh, but you can find a full list of industries that they specialize in working with over at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business, to protect yours. All right. There we go. We're back. Flagrant House is back. We did it's it. at full strength here. And uh, we'll definitely be recapping. Um, well, are they going to have two games the against? Spurs series. Yeah, two Thursday. games against San Antonio. The San Antonio Spurs series we will recap later on this week. <laughs> can't wait. I can't wait to talk about Jacoperto for about 42 minutes. And, uh, no, I mean, their schedule, again, it, it's wide open right now. It's a good time for them to learn on the fly, and all you want to do is see them get better each game. They took a step back Tuesday, but they rebounded on against OKC, and now tonight against the Spurs, they have everything. I think they're like 11-point favorites. Everything's in their direction, so can they capitalize? I'm just curious, where in the Twin Cities does Greg Popovich go the next couple nights? Because they're going to be here for like three nights to get a nice, yeah, what's the best expensive wine bar? glass of red wine. I, that makes me think, thinking about wine. I don't know why, but when I was having my media meal on Friday, it was uh, like these spirally noodles with red sauce. Uh, and as I was eating, Glenn and Becky Taylor walked in and took everything in my power to not just go up to them and ask like, hey, do you have any leftover lasagna? I was thinking about when you had Doogie on a couple of weeks ago, and he was, or when Doogie had Glenn on, and was joking with Glenn about getting like, would Becky make me some lasagna? It'd be so cool if you and I could do like a food review. It would of be Becky great. Becky Taylor's lasagna. So if anyone has a connection out there that can put me and Phil in touch with lasagna, I'll pay the shipping. I think you and I re, like recapping the meal, especially before Glenn sells the team. That's like my goal for the next year. Have Becky's lasagna. I have heard she also makes potato salad, and I am a oh. potato salad connoisseur. Top so five you underrated can, You food. can try the lasagna. I will try the potato salad, and we can do a, a full Top review five here. underrated food is potato salad. Oh, sounds like a future power rank. <laughs> <laughs> Leadership right into top five underrated side dishes. Uh, this has been another episode of your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast here, Flagrant Howls. Please click subscribe on the Score North YouTube channel and give us a five-star on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you guys. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.